All right. Well, good evening. I am so excited to share with this, uh, share with y'all this word tonight. And exactly as Jim prayed, um, we need the Lord's presence, um, not only to give understanding, but reveal to reveal to each one of us. So we are going to be in Amos chapter seven tonight. Last, last time we were together, we were in the first part of Amos chapter 7. Tonight we'll be in the second part. So if you're in the church's Bible, it will be on page 1062. Amos chapter 7, page 1062. So tonight we'll be studying about two individuals, a man named Amaziah and the man that we've been studying from, Amos, Amos and Amaziah. And so last week, um, rather the last time that we, we studied together, uh, we, we read from three visions that the Lord had given, given Amos, uh, the locusts, the fire, and the plumb line. And so... Um, Roger, if you don't mind to put up that slide, um, you'll remember that um, the third section in Amos's book is uh, many different visions. And so uh, the first part of chapter 7 that we studied from last week had three different visions, and then chapter 8 has other visions. So what we're going to study tonight is really an encounter between this man Amaziah and Amos that is sandwiched in between a series of visions. And it's not there accidentally, it's there as a reaction to the visions that Amos proclaims to Israel in the first part of chapter 7. Um, so, chapter, the, the verses that we're going to read tonight, uh, verses 10 through 17, I've kind of put a few bullet points to help us to see what is going on here. So it is a conversation and an encounter between Amaziah and Amos. Um, Amaziah, we'll talk more about him in a few minutes, but Amaziah is the chief priest or the high priest in the city of Bethel. So you may remember that many weeks ago, uh, when we were studying about the division of Israel and Judah as nations, that Jerusalem remained in the nation of Judah. And so Jerusalem was the not just the capital city, but the spiritual capital city where the temple was. So the first king of the new nation of Israel, when they split off, his name was Jeroboam I. And Jeroboam established new religious cities. Um, among them, one was Bethel. And at this day and time in Amos, Bethel was really the chief religious city. And so this man, Amaziah, is the high priest or the chief priest in the city of Bethel. And so what we'll read tonight, this, this encounter, I guess, as I'm calling it, between Amos and Amaziah. Um, I've listed Amaziah first because he's actually the, the subject of this section, not Amos. 
it begins with an, a report that Amaziah will give to the king Jeroboam. Now, I know I just mentioned one Jeroboam. This is a different Jeroboam several, several years later. So he is actually called Jeroboam II, but I'm not going to say second each time we refer to him. So this Jeroboam, Amaziah is going to give a report to him about the goings-on and the things that he sees Amos doing. Then Amaziah is going to try and persuade Amos of some things. Next, we're going to read of Amos' reply to Amaziah. And finally, Amos' prophecy against Amaziah. Okay, so that, that's kind of a little bit of background about what we're going to be reading and studying together and hopefully provides a little bit of a framework as we read. So join me, we'll read verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, there eat bread, and there prophesy, but never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the royal residence. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a prophet as son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a harlot in the city, your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, your land shall be divided by the survey line, you shall die in a defiled land, all Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. So there's a lot in these words, and there's a lot going on here. And so even as we study this, I hope it's helpful to kind of consider exactly what's going on and break it up in little chunks to kind of follow all that is packed in to this very dramatic story. So first we're going to read about what Amaziah reports to Jeroboam. Now we should know that Amaziah is primarily reporting back to Jeroboam the things that we studied about last time. These three visions of the locust, the fire, and the plumb line. And we can even read just, let's just back up and read verses 7 through 9 about this plumb line. Amos says, thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass over them anymore. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. So Amaziah is the high priest in the city of Bethel. He is 
for all intents and purposes, the most powerful spiritual man in the entire nation of Israel. And he hears these words that Amos has against God's people in Israel, and this is his response. In verse 10 it says, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam the king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all of his words. Okay. So the first thing that we should know about um, Amaziah is that he is, as we've said, he is the chief priest. He is it. Ironically, Amaziah's name means Jehovah is mighty or Yahweh is mighty. Yet his life and service refuse to recognize who the Lord is. Now to understand what's going on here, we have to understand that Amaziah, that the high priest in Israel, was who the king appoints and pays. Deborah and I were talking about this this week because we may be wondering, how does this horrible man, how does this heinous man achieve this rank and office of high priest? Right, we know Jesus is our high priest. We know that the high priest was over all spiritual matters and over all other priests accountable to the Lord for Israel's spiritual condition. So how does this come to be? Well, beginning with Jeroboam I, beginning with the new king of Israel, when Israel and Judah split some 200 years before, this high priest would begin to establish well, I didn't write this scripture. There are several scriptures that account for it. But basically, the rule was that the king would appoint and pay the priest. right? Because no longer is Israel, is Israel a part of Judah together where Jerusalem is there. So they have to go and establish their own kings. By doing this, they are already out of communion with the Lord. Because the Lord has not established this priest. They don't go to the tribe of Levi, where it has been told in the law that they should bring the Lord's priests. They make their own way. So making their own way, they are now, as kings, employing priests not for the Lord's service, but their service. So Amaziah, as you can imagine, is not like other high priests that we would know, like Aaron, that are following the Lord's commandments. He is a servant of the king, King Jeroboam. So Jeroboam II charged Amaziah with obeying his rules of religion and leading the other priests and citizens to obey him as the sovereign ruler of the land. So it's easy to see how Amaziah's reaction to Amos is really not what we would hope for and expect, but really just what the king wants. So verse 10, we read that Amaziah sent word to King Jeroboam about Amos, and he told him in verse 10, it says, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. Now this word conspired comes from a Hebrew word that means to bind together or to be in league together with others. It's really exactly what the word conspired means. But this word he uses when he reports to Jeroboam has certain implications consistent with, consistent with anarchy. 
with overthrowing the government. So essentially what Amaziah is telling the king is that Amos is seeking to overthrow you as king, to kill you as king, and to input others in your place as the next ruler of Israel. His aim was to alarm the king so that the king would put an end to Amos and his prophesying. He is essentially accusing Amos of treason. Next in verse verse 11, it says, For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land. Now, the second part that Israel shall be uh, led away captive by their own land, that is indeed an accurate understanding to a degree of what Amos has said. Amos has said in that final third vision that if they continue on in their own way, if they refuse the Lord, of course Israel will be led away. But his wording that Jeroboam shall die, it, it really we can understand it to say surely die by the sword, is incorrect. Let's, let's look up and, and read from verse 9 that we already read. It says, Amos said, um, verse 9, the last part of verse 9, I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. Now, while this may seem very similar, this phrase of rising against someone with the sword really is a, a statement synonymous with going to battle, with going to war. And certainly in that, you might kill someone, but this is different than directly saying that Jeroboam shall certainly die by the sword. So what, what Amaziah is doing is taking Amos's word and he is embellishing it. He is exaggerating it. His aim is to incite that the king would act against Amos, um, who threatened the king, Israel, and himself. So this is what Amaziah's complaint is against Amos to Jeroboam. Okay, so next, next we're going to study about Amaziah persuading Amos in verses 12 through 13. So in verse 12 it says, then Amaziah said to Amos. So, so we, we've got a couple things going on here. First, Amaziah is going to write the king. He's going to kind of get the ball rolling so that the king and all of his men will come into town and hopefully destroy Amos, deport him back to Judah, and move on. Then he turns to Amos and he says, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, there eat bread and there prophesy. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, it is the royal residence. Okay, so um, his goal is, of course, to persuade Amos to stop pro prophesying against Israel and leave. The first thing he says is, Go. This is a command word. It is an imperative word. He, as the high priest, is telling this lowly person to get out. He calls him a seer. Now, there's a few different words that we might uh, read in our Bibles translated as prophet. And seer is one of them. In some places, we, we will read of people in the Old Testament called seers that are, are translated prophets. It's a Hebrew word, um, Chose. Its spelling is not important, but know that it is not what is the most common word for prophet. It is used just a few times in scripture. This word chose was used both of people who were spiritual seers and people who were 
evilly spiritual seers. People in the Old Testament recognized people with God's message as seers, yes, but for God's purpose. There were seers in the days of Saul or other kings who would solicit people to see on their behalf what they wanted to be spiritually seen. So this high priest, Amaziah, who may be a pagan high priest, knows what he means when he calls Amos by this word, seer. Sometimes this word seer or chose denoted someone um, who was paid by the king. So he is also trying to tell Amos something that he thinks about him. While Amaziah recognizes Amos' message was spiritual, he tells him to flee to Judah and earn his money there. And this is really interesting because Amos is from Judah. And as we'll read in a second, the Lord sent him to Israel to prophesy. And Amaziah tells him, go back to Judah and earn your money there. Now he's telling him a few things. He's telling him that he believes that he is aiming to earn money through what he's doing. So he's really denigrating what he sees in his position. He's also telling them that they don't want the spiritual things that he's selling. Go somewhere else where they might be receptive to the word of your Lord. He's telling him he believes that Amos is a prophet for hire and is in it for the money. That Amos would not receive payment in Israel for his services as a prophet because no one followed his God. That is a powerful thing, that he is being very straightforward and honest, that there is no pay for this type of seer in Israel. None will be collected. He would starve to death in Israel because he tells him, He tells him, flee to the land of Judah, there eat bread. You may eat there, but not here. And there prophesy. Now he's telling Amos that he should go to his own country. You're not welcome here. Hmm. Verse 13 says, but never again prophesy at Bethel. See, Amos doesn't really care that he prophesies so long as it's not here. Never again prophesy here. Verse 13, he gave the real reasons that he wanted Amos out of Israel. See, for Amaziah, Bethel was the high, holy place of Israel where the king worshipped. So you can imagine King Jeroboam, he's not coming down to Jerusalem to worship. If he worships, he goes to Bethel or Dan or Gad, the places that these kings have set up. Bethel was the highest of those three cities for worship. Ironically, they're not worshiping Yahweh in these temples. They're worshiping the false gods that they have brought in, that they have allowed that Amaziah is really over. So they're worshiping these false gods, and Amaziah says, I don't want your words anywhere near where the king worships. So he, he prohibits him for political reasons, because it was the king's sanctuary. So 
Amaziah is the high priest. The high priest of the nation of Israel who call themselves by God's name and he wants nothing to do with Amos' prophecy for repentance, for forgiveness, and mercy. He didn't care about Amos' welfare and bread. He didn't care about the people's sins or think them a problem. His answer to Amos' prophecy about the high places was for Amos to go and prophesy somewhere else. Okay, so now it's Amos' turn. So now Amos is going to reply to Amaziah. He's going to reply to Amaziah's degrading misunderstanding of his quote-unquote job. Read with me verse 14 through 15. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. This is one of, I think, the greatest calling stories in the Bible because of what he, because of what he says. Amos tells Amaziah who he was, what his job was, and by whose authority and purpose he prophesied. So first, Amos said he was not a prophet. The Hebrew word used here is nabi. So we talked about this word chose, which means seer, which is often translated prophet, and that is what Amaziah called Amos. And now Amos's first response is to say, I was no prophet, and he uses the word that is used 90% of the time in the Old Testament to describe prophet. Nabi, you may have heard of Nabiim, which means prophets. It's what we call the majority of the, the prophets in the Old Testament. So a Nabi meant a, spokes, a spokesperson or a prophet. It really meant one with, who bubbles up, almost like a volcano, bubbles up with declarations from the Lord. So Amos is differentiating between what Amaziah calls him, a seer, one who, who gives words of knowledge for profit, and he says at first, I was, I, am, I was not this kind of prophet. He is distinguishing between one who does things for their own benefit, though it may look like God's way, and those who do only what God calls them to do, only because of God's way. So at first he says he was not a prophet, but what he meant was, he is clarifying for Amaziah that all of these things and insults that he's hurling at him, that he's not a prophet in the sense that he thinks of a prophet. Because even Amaziah is living in this nation where himself, and all of the other priests, and all of the prophets are for hire. They have been bought and purchased with the flesh. 
They have been bought and purchased by false worship and false gods and for that purpose in places like Bethel. So he says, I was not a prophet, not like you think. And he's also meaning to say he wasn't grown up to be a prophet like Samuel or Elisha or Elisha. He wasn't born with this word over him that said, you shall be a prophet from birth and you will follow in the ways of your spiritual father and you will learn how to prophesy, you will learn how to lead and how to govern as a spiritual prophet. He says, instead, I was a sheep breeder. I was a tender of sycamore fruit. So we've got to see that he's telling Amaziah, I'm not who you think I am, not even close. He says, I was not the son of the prophet, like like Elisha followed Elijah. He didn't go to prophet school and learn how to be a prophet. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't have this pedigree that would seem right, even in the eyes of this false high priest. His title at this point did not come from an inherited position from his father. Instead, Amos explains that he was in Judah before God called him to Israel to speak for him. So he was a herdsman of sheep, of goats, and small cattle, a grower and a tender of sycamore figs. Amos's job was not as a paid prophet upon which he lived, but he was instead a manual laborer. Now this is so important. Why does Amos go into all this to say who he is, right? Okay, so verse 15 explains why. Let's read verse 15 again. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go and prophesy to my people Israel. So he explains that the Lord spoke to him to be a prophet for God for Israel. God chose him. Amos recognized that his calling came from God. It says God took him from tending the flock and the fig trees. This word took is is so amazing. It is the same Hebrew word that the Bible writers use to describe how Enoch was taken up, how Elijah was taken up. It was as if it was beyond his control that he was doing his thing and God took him from those things. God took Enoch and God took Elijah because they were aligned with him. And Amos was aligned with God. And so in that way, he was takeable. He was took from the things that he was doing to be repurposed for what God was doing. Amos' authority as a prophet came from God, not from a school. This and he told Amaziah, and the Lord said to me, go and prophesy to my people Israel. I love this because he doesn't even just say, go and prophesy to Israel. He says, go and prophesy to my people, Israel. Even still at this moment, God is aiming to redeem Israel from her sin. He tells Amos, these are still my people amidst their sin, and I'm sending you to prophesy to them. See, he's really counteracting everything that Amaziah has gotten wrong. That he's just coming to a nation to receive bread like he has been excommunicated from his own nation. That he is a a seer for hire. No, God has put it in his life to be this man and this mouthpiece. He did not grow up this way. He did not go to the right school to do this. But God has, has made him 
to be who he has called him to be. This word here, said, where it says that, that God said to me, this is a commandment word. It's as if Amos was chosen by God and at the same time had no option. Hmm. It's as if Amos was chosen by God and yet at the same time had no option. Right? If, if, we, if we align with God's ways as we know it means to be chosen, we have no option. We do have an option, but we shouldn't have an option, right? So for Amos, there was no other option but, yes, Lord, your way. Amos could do nothing but go. The Lord's calling on his life compelled him. God commanded him to go. Mm. Okay. So the last place is that Amos has a prophecy against Amaziah. So verses 16 and 17, Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Jacob, excuse me, of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a harlot in the city, your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, your land shall be divided by survey line. You shall die in a defiled land, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. So as I was studying this week, I, I had this thought that Amos' prophecy is against all of Israel. But I have seen that it is not, that it is directly against Amaziah personally. Now, we know that there's already been many prophecies against Israel specifically. And even at the beginning, um, what, what Amaziah is going back and forth is Amos' prophecy against them in the visions before says, now therefore, in verse 16, hear the word of the Lord. So Amos is talking to Amaziah and he says, you said don't prophesy against Israel. You said don't spout against the house of Isaac. So you know what he does? He prophesies against Amaziah and spouts against the house of Amaziah. Amaziah wants nothing to do with these things, so Amos says, okay, here is the word of the Lord. He begins this by saying, now therefore hear the word of the Lord, which is what we hear in all of the other judgments in Amos. Hear this word of the Lord, therefore, because you will refuse his ways. For this serious sin, well, let me say this first. As I've read these judgments that he says in verse 17, I've really struggled with these because they are very grave. But I see that even though Amaziah is a false high priest, he is high priest, and God is holding him accountable as high priest. See, he has not just refused the word of the Lord for he and his family, he has refused it for the nation of Israel. He is hearing from a prophet and he is refusing it. And so God has no cause but to hold him accountable for this action. We read many times in the New Testament how teachers, how leaders, how pastors are called and will give an account of what they have taught and what they have heard and what they have done with the Lord's word. And so it is with Amaziah that the Lord is holding him accountable 
for this serious sin of prohibiting God's called prophets to speak to Israel. God judged Amaziah harshly. And there's four things that he, he speaks against Amaziah and all his family, all of which are a future time when Israel will be overtaken by this invading nation. His family will be dishonored. They will be killed. Their land will be parceled out. His country would be defiled by the enemy. And Israel would be led away captive. As I hear this, I I can't imagine being Amaziah and hearing all of these things. And maybe wanting to disagree with them, but hearing that that now, now my sins are going to come upon my family because I have refused the Lord and my nation. But he would. He would refuse the Lord. And we know that we've heard this message in similar ways many times, and we know the end of this story that Amaziah would refuse the Lord and that Assyria would ultimately come in and invade all of Israel, including him, that he and his family would be invaded there and taken over and killed as a result of this. So this week, as I've been, as I've been studying these things, I have... Um, I've seen many places that I think could seem like a a great word, a great message. Uh, The difference between a false high priest and a pure prophet called by the Lord and the differences in how they talk to each other and what they say to one another. How Amos is going before his arch enemy, so to speak, on earth and how he stands steadfast and pure and he doesn't aim to say any more than the Lord would have him say, but he says only what is necessary for that time. And the many other places that that this has impacted me. But this week in my study, the Lord has been speaking to me about being defensive. And as I read about Amaziah, I read about one who is defensive. If we consider him, it's not hard to see him defending himself, embellishing, lying, inciting, accusing, manipulating, and even excommunicating. These are all Amaziah's defense mechanisms to avoid accepting responsibility, but instead it's a position of self-defense, really a condition of self-justification. And Amaziah's defenses seem pretty strong maybe and maybe out of reach of what we would do in our own walk with the Lord but I don't believe that the Lord is in the habit of measuring degrees for these things instead the Lord sees a spiritual condition the same and despite how we may view our own perspectives or grapple grapple inwardly the Lord sees this defensiveness in the same way. When we refuse God's word, it is judgment to us. When we get defensive, we put all the guards up in place, and as a result, we cannot hear clearly. 
When the Lord started to show me this, I, I imagine, you know, someone I've seen on a show that was, was aiming to take something that didn't belong to them. And it was like the castle walls started to come down. The countermeasures came up. The reinforcements came around to protect what was trying to be taken. And all this week, I have seen the many opportunities, not just the many opportunities, the many places where I have become defensive, where I've heard something I disagreed with, where I've felt something I didn't like, and these countermeasures came up. The cavalry came in. The walls hardened. The fists clenched. The feet stood firmer. Hear this again. When we get defensive, we put all the guards in place and we cannot hear the Lord clearly. Defense is a decision. When we get defensive, we assign blame and we pull the strings of justification. We are hardening our hearts against the Lord. And as a result, we isolate ourselves from the Lord. I've been seeing this first and foremost as just how I live my day, how I go to work, how I interact with others, and I see that in any situation where I feel threatened that I am not, that I feel threatened, my tendency is to get defensive. It is to get ahead of what might harm me in a number of ways. But I've known deep down that the Lord was trying to show me something far more spiritual, that this has little to nothing to do with just the physical and more to do with the spiritual. And we all have a choice when the Lord shows us something. Tonight as I was preparing my notes this afternoon, I've been thinking all week and I've wondered, what, what does this look like? Is this, a, is this a spirit like others that I've seen? And I heard this clearly from the Lord. He told me that I had a defensive heart. A defensive heart. For all the hearts that we read about in Scripture, hardened hearts like Saul and hearts after the Lord like David, the Lord told me I had a defensive heart. And that may be the most devastating thing that I've heard from the Lord because if there's any place I don't want to be defended, it is my heart. We sing songs about the Lord living in our heart, and I'm not sure what we really mean by that, but if our heart is defensive, then it is defending itself from the Lord coming in. And I want nothing to do with a defensive heart. In 1 Samuel 16, after refusing Saul for his own hard heart, the Lord sends Samuel to find David. He tells Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the Lord looks at the outward, excuse me, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, it's one of my pet peeves that we say, the Lord knows my heart 
And that is a terrifying idea because he does. And it's terrifying because the Lord has told me what my heart is and it is defensive. This this story that I've been studying has been both incredibly liberating and incredibly convicting because deep down I've known that despite what I might think about myself and that I want to put myself in the category of Amos over here and being pure and being before the Lord, I know that the reality is I am far more like Amaziah who has purposed himself against hearing from the Lord the way the Lord wants to speak. But I will remain in that place no more. I want the Lord to liberate me from this place where my heart is not fending for itself or putting up guards, but the Lord can change me as he wishes. I pray that we would hear this word of the Lord tonight. Amen.